0: Welcome to Life Church. We are an X242 Community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through his word and by his spirit. Okay, good morning Church. Good morning. Good morning! So we're starting a new series today because we're we're in Advent. Uh, it's nearly Christmas. Silly question, is everybody excited for Christmas? In fact, it might not be a silly question because there have been some years, and I don't know if anybody else has felt this, where this time of year, you're feeling a little bit like, like it doesn't feel like Christmas, or maybe you've got them sort of advent grumps, yeah? Well, Colin was just talking about the power of music, and I think that there's a cure for those advent grumps, and it is Christmas music. Sarah's been playing Christmas music since what? middle of November, and it does, it does just start to get you into the mood, whether it's sort of carols or hymns or Mariah Carey, wh- whatever it might be, um, music somehow helps to get us into the mood. And what I wanted to talk about this morning, and Colin touched on it in his anchoring, was the, uh, yes, Christmas is about getting giddy and excited um, and all the rest of it, but keeping focus on the the meaning of of this time of year what we're actually celebrating and a song that really sort of helps get me into that that feeling of of reverence and awe for for christ and for the incarnation is um oh holy night it's actually my absolute favorite christmas song and i just wanted to sort of Read. I'm not going to sing, don't worry, because I'll empty the room. Um, you all have to put up with that enough <laughs> during worship. You can probably hear me belting things out. But the, the words sort of say, uh, there's a part of it where it says, low lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices as yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And then it's the next bit that really, really gets me. It gets so dramatic. And it just says, fall on your knees. And I think sometimes, even as Christians, we can lose that that attitude and that approach to to Christ and to this time of year, the Incarnation. Fall on your knees in worship. Um, So what I I wanted to do this morning, really, is try and look at, uh, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 2. So if you've got your Bibles with you, we'll be looking at the, the story, a familiar story of the wise men. Um, and the Magi and their, um, their reaction to coming, sort of hearing about the birth of Jesus and then coming sort of face to face with Jesus. So Matthew two, um, verses one to 12, before we before we actually start reading the text, just a little bit of context, because obviously the the, uh, the gospel accounts are narrative. It's a, it's a story, it's a true story. Uh, but it is a story so just to bring us up to sort of what's happening at the point we're about to dive in it's somewhere between 6 and 4 BC and Israel is being ruled by the Roman Empire. Uh, they fell to conquest in 63 BC and uh, What the Romans would do they would sort of handpick at a ruler of their own to put in and oversee the particular nation um, and then so at this moment there was a guy called Herod who was um, renowned for being quite ruthless, quite a firm ruler, and he was ruling over Israel, but under Rome. Now, the people of Israel um, were still hopeful and expected a prophesied Messiah, a deliverer, um, to come and deliver them from um, the Gentile rule, and that this Messiah would sort of go on to rule over the nations himself. And this, this prophecy, this expectation, wasn't just known in Israel. This was known outside of Israel. In fact, it was known pretty much across the known world at the time. Uh, According to historians, uh, Suetonius, Tacitus, and Josephus all make reference to um, the the known world at the time, being aware of this prophecy concerning a, a king coming out of Judea and ruling over the nations. And amongst those people who would have known this prophecy were the Magi. Um, They were um, sort of religious, leading religious figures uh, in the courts in in sort of the East. Babylonia is probably the the place where where they were based. Um, And they were renowned for their wisdom. They were skilled in uh, diplomacy, astrology, um, demonology and magic. In fact, the word magi comes from the Greek magos, which is magician, magic. Um, and they were, they were watching the stars with interest. And one particular night, they saw a sign in the heavens that they believed heralded the coming of this promised future king who would rule over the nation. So that's where we're at. So if you want to just open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, and we're beginning at verse 1. And it says this. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born, and they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. A couple of little points to note in that before we get into sort of the the main points. Uh, minor details, but it, it doesn't say anywhere about there being three wise men. Notice it just says wise men. Uh, the idea of three is, is a Western tradition based on the three gifts. Uh, in the East, they have it as, as 12. And and the other um, point to note is the star itself. So they said that they saw his star rise. Now, there's three sort of leading ideas as to, to what this star might have been. Um, some scholars uh, suggest that it was a natural... Um, sort of astrological phenomenon that appeared in the sky. Others suggest that it was still a a star, but that it was being sort of, it was supernatural. It was being divinely controlled and manoeuvred around to rest over where God wanted it to go. And the the third point, uh, the third sort of suggestion is that this was in fact an angel. And we know from uh, reading other parts of scripture that often stars and angels are linked together. So the star was either, yeah, supernatural, natural, or an angel. Back with the text, verse seven. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And this is, for me, the sort of the key verse that I really want to pull a lot out of now. Verse verse 11, going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Now, in the original language in the Old Greek, the the words there are usually reserved for the kind of response to a deity or a god. So they they fell down and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. Again, a mark of respect when you were visiting royalty. Uh, They offered him gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country, by another way. Okay, so it's, the, it's really the, um, the reaction of the, of the Magi to the, the announced Christ and the, the, the sort of, you know, to come in face to face with the boy that I wanted us to look at today. And I want, us, I want us to ask ourselves three questions. And the first one is this, it's a very simple question and Colin touched on it um, a lot earlier on is what does this time of year actually mean to you? I know we can all quote textbook answers, but in your heart, in your, in your inner being, what does this time of year really mean to you? Now to the Magi, it meant um, that a, a prophesied very important um, future king was born and that he would maybe perhaps one day go on to rule the nations. But that of course isn't the, the whole story. We, we know that Jesus was more than just a, a great future human king who would rule geographically. Um, again, Colin touched on some things that it might mean to various people this time of year. Uh, parties, time off work, um, the end of a diet. I remember, I remember one year before I came to know Christ, I was, I was working in um, a general goods store And I was working Christmas Eve and and the owner was a a Sri Lankan gentleman and a lady came in Christmas Eve and she said to the owner, you're not gonna make Sean work tomorrow, are you? And he said, yeah, we're opening and Sean's working all day. Um, And the lady replied with, but it's our Lord's birthday. And that was true. But sometimes I think even that isn't the whole picture. Like, yes, Jesus's birthday. And then two days later, it's Sarah's birthday. And then five months later, it's my birthday. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the day he was born, but it's even more than that. The Bible says that what we're celebrating this time of year is the incarnation. John says, the word became flesh. And when I try and get my head around that, it, it blows my mind. The God of the universe, all powerful, totally without limits, creating stars here, there, and everywhere, out somewhere in the vastness of space. I know he's outside of space, by the way. Um, would limit himself to become like a human being. And I tried, to, I tried to think what that might be like for us. You know, if we could try and get our heads around what that might look like. And the only thing I could come up with was this. I don't know if you can see that. Uh, that's a pawn from a chess board. And I thought, imagine if I was the creator of the game chess and I, I, I made the board i made all the pieces and then for 33 years i had to spend all my life with this being this and limited by what this can and can't do still my own mind because jesus never stopped having the the mind of god but basically limited to every now and again moving forward one space or maybe two if it was the first move and, and then attacking diagonally occasionally but nothing else so all the things that I'd experienced beforehand hugs from people who I love gone for 33 years eating pizza gone for 33 years and I just thought why what like no absolutely not. I wouldn't do it I would not do it I would not give up being me to be this for 33 years but God did God gave up being He was always fully God, but he chose not to be God and become man, a human being, for 33 years for love. Absolutely, totally driven by love for for you, for me, for every single one of us, Um, because when man had rebelled and the penalty for sin needed to be paid by a human being and no human being was good enough or worthy to pay the price, so God chose himself to become like us. In fact, in Philippians, it says that he emptied himself to become in the likeness of man. And I really want that, that's sort of the first key question that I want you to ask yourselves and really try and focus on this time of year not yes the presents and the christmas trees and the decorations and the parties and everything are great and yes it's jesus's birthday but let's really really try to get our heads around and appreciate and be in awe of the incarnation in its entirety god becoming a human being and the second the second question i want you to ask yourself knowing that so knowing exactly what this time of year is about and who Jesus is and what he did how far out of your comfort zone are you willing to go knowing that for Jesus the Magi again they they, they knew kind of who he was and, and what this was about um, they didn't know the whole picture but they travelled and roughly Babylonia to, to Jerusalem at that time would have been about 900 miles so they thought that a potential future human king of the nations was being born and knowing that they went 900 miles out of a place of probably comfort and prosperity and position in in the courts in Babylonia. Uh, It would have taken them about four months roughly. Uh, In the Old Testament in Ezra, uh, the Israelites made the same journey and it took them four months. So a four month journey facing who knows what perils To see this, who they believed was just going to be a powerful human king. But again, we know the truth. We know that this is God. And that this God died for us and loves us and wants us to live with him in eternity. So let me ask you the the same question. The Magi went 900 miles over four months. How far have you gone out of your comfort zone? Or how far will you go out of your comfort zone for Jesus? whether it's this season or next. And I appreciate that that will look very different for everybody. To some people, stepping out of your comfort zone for Jesus will simply mean um, talking about him. To the people who you who you know and to your friends and your colleagues. To some people, that in itself is difficult to share your faith and to share your love for Jesus. So my, my encouragement for you, if that's you, let that be you stepping out of your comfort zone this season. Tell people that you love Jesus and why you love Jesus. Maybe it might be when you're, when you're with colleagues or friends. Um, stepping out of your comfort zone could just be not compromising on your faith and on the, the way God um, expects us to, to live and behave. and might be not getting involved in gossiping. What, whatever that might be, that could be you stepping out of your comfort zone. But then it could obviously go further. It could be going on an overseas mission trip, if that's what you feel God is calling you into. It could be joining a ministry, something like The Vine, that Life Church does all sorts of ministries that you could get involved in. That could be you stepping out of your comfort zone for Jesus could be giving more financially to the church. Yes, I said it. Um, that could be an act of stepping out of your comfort zone. You may already give. Um, could you give more? I know we're living in a cost of living crisis at the moment and money is tight and money is hard, so I hear my heart. Don't don't go crazy and start rejecting paying your, your rent or your mortgage to, to give money to church. I'm not suggesting that at all, but if you do have Um, more surplus could stepping out of your comfort zone be giving more financially and my um, my third question from this text for you to, to ask yourselves and to consider is how precious a gift have you brought to Jesus how precious is the gift since coming to know him for who he truly is how precious a gift have you given him Again, let's look at the Magi. They, they thought that this was just a, a human future king, and they brought kingly, really, really expensive gifts. Uh, gold, which I don't think we need to say any more about gold. It's valuable now, it was valuable then. Um, that, that was one of the gifts. They brought frankincense, which was um, sort of resin from, from a tree called the Moswellia tree. Uh, that grew around the Arabian Peninsula and they would would burn this resin and it would produce a really sweet smell and fragrance and secularly that was used as a perfume Um, and the Israelites used it as the only incense that was allowed on the altar so that was the the second gift that was brought and myrrh likewise sap from a tree that was used um, to perfume garments uh, but also used by the Israelites uh, during burial so they brought really kingly um precious gifts that they th- saw fit for a potential future king some people have read um symbolism into those gifts um so that the gold represents jesus's um kingship frankincense his his uh, deity and the uh, myrrh his um death and resurrection maybe i don't know Perhaps the Holy Spirit inspired them to do that, but what it, what's definitely the case is that it represented the reverence that they had for this, this promising uh, this future king, um, the awe, the esteem in which they held him. So what about us? What have we given? Now that we know him for who he truly is. And I briefly touched on finance and and, and giving more to the church but Jesus doesn't need your money. Jesus actually doesn't need anything. There isn't there isn't a gift that we can give that he that he needs from us. But there's there's something that he wants and that in fact he deserves. And that's our hearts. And our entire lives. And it's easy to say sometimes, isn't it? Yeah Jesus has my heart. Yeah I gave my life to Jesus X number of years ago. But what does that look like? like I, I really tried to think about this while I, was, while I was in prayer. I was thinking, what does what does it look like me genuinely, wholeheartedly giving my life and my heart to Jesus in response to what he's done for me? And to be honest, for me, the most precious thing that we can give to anybody is our time. I think it was, um, it was Rick Warren in The Purpose Driven Life wrote that the best way to spell love is t-i-m-e you see because time is the only gift that you can give and not get back you i could give my wife some money and then go and earn some more money Um, i could give somebody i could clothe somebody and then go and buy more clothes like anything else that you give you can go and get back more of yourself but you can't do that with time if you give somebody your time, it's given. And again, the, the question to ask then, if, if we're giving the gift of our hearts and our lives to Jesus and that's gonna look like time, then how does that look for you right now? How much of your, and look, I'm in a season right now where time is not easy to come by. I have a seven month old, is he seven months or is he eight months? Okay, nearly eight-month-old baby and a two-year-old toddler, and I'm getting my ear pulled at 5 a.m. Daddy, 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 and that's me from then until sleep almost with zero time to myself. But there is some time in there. So I'm not saying everybody gets eight hours spare time every single day because we don't, but you know how much spare time you have. And the question I want you to ask yourselves this morning is of that free time where it's not working, it's not sleeping, it's not doing the things that just need to be done, of that free time, how much of it is given to Christ? How much of it is spent in the Word? How much of it is spent in prayer? So they're the the points that I wanted to bring today. What does this time of year mean to you? Hopefully. Hopefully it means celebrating the incarnation and something from this morning has given everybody more of an idea of the magnitude of that. We can't get our heads around it, we just can't. But maybe, maybe close. How far out of your comfort zone are you gonna go? How far have you gone? How far will you go? And then yeah, thirdly, how precious a gift, how much of your time is given to Jesus? And Let me encourage you and challenge you where you can. Give more. Because he deserves it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for the incarnation, God. We we can't understand that at all. Um, It blows our minds, but God, thank you. Holy Spirit, by your power, help us to respond to that truth and to the the beauty of that reality in a way that honours you and that glorifies you and in a way that comes somewhere near to the way that you deserve. Help us to give you our hearts entirely. Holy Spirit, whatever you're prompting and encouraging us to do now to move out of our comfort zone in service to you, help us to be bold and brave and go and do that. And help us to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchorrington.com.